Welcome to the I Love Alt Mortgages podcast, brought to you by Home Trust. And now, your host, Brennan Trenuth. Hey, Broker Nation. Today on the podcast is guest Claudio Polito, managing partner at Cross Sun Appraisals. Claudio sits down with us to talk why honesty, local knowledge, and using all the senses is important as an appraiser. Plus, he shares three big tips that brokers can do to make appraisals more efficient. Hey, Broker Nation, I'm your host, Brendan Knuth, and you are listening to I Love Vault Mortgages. The real estate market has been crazy to say the least, which is why I'm excited to have our next guest on the show to talk about the market and especially the world of appraisals. Claudio Polito is the managing partner of Crosstown Appraisals. Claudio, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Brennan, awesome to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So obviously we know that the market is crazy right now for everybody. And we're going to get into that a little bit as well. The podcast itself is really just educating, you know, our broker partners across the country, specifically on alternative deals. But we thought it was very important to talk about, you know, the appraisal market right now as the market is the way that it is. But for anybody who may not know who you are, let's talk a little bit about your background and history there. So my first question is just how and why did you become an appraiser? How did I get into appraising? You know, it's one of those things where growing up, I was always intrigued with real estate, always intrigued with how a you know, farm becomes the shopping mall or a subdivision or what have you. Right. you know, so I was always intrigued with real estate, what's happening in the city, et cetera, et cetera. You know, fast forward 15, 20 years, I'm working at a bank and I got exposed to the whole appraisal aspect of lending and being in the bank. And, you know, from that, the rest is uh, sort of history. Yeah. What's the process like when you are becoming an appraiser? So to be an appraiser today, you have to have at least two years of post-secondary education just to become a candidate member. To be a designated member, whether that be a CRA or an ACI, you have to have a university degree. And all the courses are offered through University of British Columbia. We have our partners in Quebec through Laval University. So it's a university-based educational program. Right. Okay. Well, that's good. And just talking about Crosstown in general, obviously a big name in Ontario, but why do you think that, you know, yourself and Crosstown are so trusted in the industry? We've been around forever and that helps. So our experience is vast. We have a reputation for saying it how it is. We don't sugarcoat it. I like to say we're often in the business of giving bad news and we're not afraid to give good news or bad news. We just relay what we see. And I think while that may be a detriment in some cases, I think in the long run, people respect you for your professionalism, that if we say a property is worth X amount, people say, yeah, it is worth that amount, good or bad or indifferent. Yeah. I was actually reading an article that uh, Keith Lancastle did, the CEO of Appraisal Institute of Canada with CMP Magazine last week. He, he made a really good point. He said, you know, our job as an appraiser is to determine for the lender, the borrower, and all parties about what the true market value was, right? So if somebody is going in and overbidding on a property because it has, you know, something in it that they really like, a wine room or whatever, at the end of the day, you know, their job is to give you the value on that property. And it's, you know, our job not to underwrite based on a client's emotion in that transaction, right? And it's funny you say that because we bring the reasoning, the sober second thought into sure. a very emotional transaction. Mm. Buying a house is an emotional transaction, For sure. especially in a very heated market. And appraisers can take a step back 
and say, yeah, I get you want to really, you know, pay X amount for this property. You think it's yeah. worth X amount, but how would the general market look at this? Not just right. you in particular. Yeah, no, for sure. Obviously, speaking of the Appraisal Institute of Canada, you know, you're heavily involved with AIC. You're currently a board member with AIC. You want to just tell us a little bit about, you know, what your responsibility is as a board member? Well, I'm currently on the national board and I'm yeah. the uh, chair of the standards subcommittee. So basically what that entails is my role oversees the development of CUSPAP, every new version of CUSPAP. CUSPAP is the underlying governance document for appraisers. It dictates what appraisers can and can't do and you know the proper way of doing things, so to speak. Yeah. So that's my current focus on the national board with other folks is also. Previous to that, I was the uh, president of the Ontario Association right. where we got a chance to go across the province meeting fellow colleagues and you know, being involved with different stakeholders. Yeah, no, for sure. That's great. Okay, so let's get into the actual process of, you know, when a broker is placing, you know, an order with you. What's that process look like to booking that appraisal? We've created our own proprietary software, web-based, where a broker or a lender can uh, go online or an appraisal, get your updates as to the status, who the appraiser is. Internally, that software allows us to assign it to an appraiser based on workflow, location. It's back-ended with our accounting system. So it really has made life easier than, let's say, 15, 20 years ago, where you know we were still, everything was pen and paper. Yeah, we, sure. uh, we're a paperless company. We're just waiting for our last few years of files to shred, and then we'll have no files hanging around. So we really embrace the technology part of it. That's good. And you know, obviously, there's misconceptions and stuff like that within the market. But to you, why do you think having an appraisal is so important in this day and age? Like I said before, we're the sober second thought. We allow everyone to take a step back, to analyze the positives and the negatives of each property, and to give that unbiased opinion. We are the eyes and ears in this particular case of a lender or of a potential purchaser or of a homeowner who's looking to get an appraisal prior to listing. And that's where we uh, provide the most value. And just like an interesting thing that I read in that article that I had mentioned earlier was that it seems like there's over like 20 elements that go into an appraisal, right? So I'm just wondering what kind of elements and factors go into that final appraisal report? So location, location, and location. Real estate is local. What may be true in one marketplace may not be true in another marketplace. Whenever we have a new trainee, I always say, well, a walkout back down to ravine in the high crime area isn't a good thing because it's easy access in and out for the criminal. Right? Yeah. You know, if you're backing down to a Rosedale golf club, yeah. obviously it has a different value impact. No, the location is the preeminent part of real estate, obviously. But more than that, again, as appraisers, you know, appraisers about touching, feeling, smelling, looking, all the senses apply. And right. it's not just, it's a 2000 square foot house. It's about the floor plan, right? Your layout, your ceiling height, the level and quality of finishes. Oftentimes in the picture, you know, it's hard to ascertain, was it a high-end rental or is it just a rental? And those are all key elements that make part of the final appraisal that we look at. And obviously you've been doing this a very long time. What are some of the misconceptions within the industry about, you know, the appraisal or the appraisal process that you've come across? Well, most consumers, brokers, their experience with an appraiser may be the site visit. That's probably the easiest, least time-consuming part of the assignment. Sure. So they say, oh, that's fantastic. You're here for a half hour, 45 minutes. The appraisal is done. No, that's just step one. 
not all the back end, the research, the analyzing, that's a part. Another misconception is that, you know, for a firm like Crosstown, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about, you know, some firms come intentionally low or, you know, what have you. We like to say we're more realistic and we give market value. So there's a lot of misconceptions out there. That's why educating the public, I find, is always important. Yeah, absolutely. And in today's day and age, we're seeing, you know, a rise in the automation valuation model within the industry. So I'm just wondering if you can just explain, you know, what the benefits of ordering an appraisal versus going through an AVM model, you know, is just for, you know, the brokers that will be listening to this. They may not understand the specifics when it comes to an appraisal versus the AVM. AVMs, listen, they have their place. It's usually in, you know, where the product is very similar, condo buildings, things of that sort, newer type properties. AVMs are at its core statistical analysis based on a broad base of sales. You know, and they'll look at things, bedroom count, lot size, you know, building size, age, et cetera, et cetera. What they're missing is that human element, that touching the feeling. Computer machine can't tell you that the floor plan is wrong, that the ceiling height is too low, that the renovations are to the level of the neighborhood or that standard. That's that human element. Also, from a risk mitigation, AVMs, by their very nature, don't take into account what's happening today. The competing listing across the street that's been for sale for six weeks that hasn't sold or what have you. By its very nature, they deal with historical data, which in a changing market reduces its reliability and its accuracy. And I think, obviously, you said before, like, you know, the local knowledge for the appraisers within, you know, your organization who know that area very well where, you know, a computer system wouldn't be able to take in all of that kind of information, right? A lot of computer systems are based on a geographic indicator, oftentimes a postal code or what have you. You know, in real estate, we like to say there's man-made and there's physical barriers. You know, crossing one side of a major street to the other, a completely different ballgame. You know, if you're looking at a track subdivision in the GTA, well, usually in phases one, two, and three, maybe phase one had better quality builders, better quality finishings, phase two, not as much. But within that computer model, they all get weighted equally. And against that local knowledge, again, real estate, you either have or you don't have it when you pull up to the driveway. And a computer model can't see through the, uh, the raw data. Right. Yeah, no, that's very good analysis of that. So let's talk about the pandemic. Obviously, you know, a lot of industries were impacted by that. Just wondering, you know, from the appraisal standpoint, you know, what processes changed for you and your team and how did you really adapt to uh, the pandemic? You know, it's interesting that when the world came to a halt in March of 2020, I was actually president of the uh, Appraisal Institute for Ontario at the time. So while we're trying to juggle what do we do with Crosstown, I was also juggling what do we do as a broader group of appraisers across the province. So I was able to parlay my company experience, make that go provincial in that, you know, we can't be walking into properties when there's a pandemic. It's not safe for us. It's not safe for the homeowner. And what do you do in a case like that? Well, one of two things you can do, not appraise or have an appraisal subject to certain external assumptions and limited conditions, i.e., Purchases were provided by the realtor, by the, the occupant, the homeowner, somebody, and continue the ball you know, to move forward that way. So we quickly went to that virtual environment. Slowly, the entire industry moved that way. Right. Some lenders were quicker to jump on board than other lenders. 
all depends on appetite for risk. But you know, you do what you do in a pandemic. Absolutely. I can't even imagine, you know, trying to do that and then just relying on other people to, you know, send pictures and videos and things like that. I'm sure it was a little difficult, but I'm sure you're used to that. Now, are you still seeing a lot of like virtual stuff now or are you more so back into the properties? You know, when the pandemic first hit, you know, while everybody was running away, appraisers were being asked to run into the house. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, regardless of the virus, now we're probably finding, you know, 95% success of getting into a property. Obviously, if a homeowner says, I have an elderly parent that's yeah. immunocompromised or what have you, what have you, you can't say, well, we don't care. Get right. them out. You no, know, you have to be aware of that. The virus is still around. Sure. And if someone says, I have COVID or my son has COVID, then obviously we're not walking in. Now, we don't ask for tests. We don't ask for proof. If someone says there's COVID in the property, then we have to take him at face value. But, you know, we always apply a more cautious look at the photographs. Sure. That's part of our due diligence. And we've caught, I hate to say, we've caught instances where the wrong photograph has been provided, not the property you're appraising. And it takes a keen eye, but you sure. can sometimes, you know, say, hey, that's not your property. <laughs> that doesn't look like your house. Yeah, honestly. Wow. That's too bad. But I mean, that's where the expertise comes into play, right? Exactly. Um, so what's the demand right now for appraisals in our current market? Well, I think right now what we're seeing is the perfect storm of, you know, properties that sold in February, March typically have a, Kind of 45 to 60 day closing period. There's a huge backlog of those properties that need to be fulfilled. There's increase in rates. You know, anyone with a refinance or any sort of commitment that's locked in until, I don't know, May 31st, you know, June 14th, whatever rate it was, without trying to get that firm before the next increase in rates. So, from that perspective, we're finding it's still extremely busy. Yeah. And we also find as a firm, when the market becomes unstable, lenders tend to lean back on us across town. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything that you're seeing today that you weren't seeing last year, or is it still kind of the same stuff? Today, we're seeing choice. Last year, six weeks ago, three months ago, there's no such thing as a competing listing. There was a listing grossly underpriced for the purpose of getting multiple offers. Yeah. So the fact that the property across the street is asking six ninety nine, we all knew it was going to sell for over a million dollars. Right. Whereas today, the property across the street is listed for six ninety nine. It's been for sale for 14, 15, 17 days. It ain't selling for a million dollars. Probably selling for less than six ninety nine. That now becomes an indicator. It's a competing listing, and that we didn't see last year. Right. Or in the past wow. year. Wow, that's crazy. So with respect to the process of, you know, the appraisal and all that stuff, is there anything that the brokers can do to help, you know, a smooth process with an appraiser? First and foremost, it's always about educating their client, setting the expectations, explaining the process. An appraiser is not a realtor. He's not here to, or she's not here to give you the highest value and make you guarantees. And we have to provide a value that a lender can rely on. It has to be a realistic value based on the data around us. They also should be doing a little bit of pre-screening themselves. You'd be surprised often where the homeowners ask, what do you think it's worth? A million five. And the broker thinks, well, okay, it's a million five. 
Meanwhile, it was for sale three weeks ago for a million two. Right. And it was for sale for 90 days and didn't sell. And makes your broker more efficient, reduces any potential awkwardness between the broker, the appraiser, and the homeowner. So just a little sure. bit more homework that way, pre-screening and pre-qualifying, I would say. My next and last question to you is, you know, what are some of the conditions of like the worst houses you've appraised? So maybe one of the process pieces that the broker can help with is making sure that the house has been cleaned properly too, right? Because I've seen some appraisals that have come through and it's not pretty. You know, Brennan, I'll be the first to admit with two teenage boys, we've given up when they were small. You do your parenting thing. Sure. Now it's literally, here your clean clothes, your responsibility. If you want to make Mount Everest out of it, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. And I think that's most of us are that way. Yeah. Having said that, if you were to call me, Claudia, I'm literally 15 minutes away. I'm going to stop in for a coffee. Well, it's going to be 14 minutes of pure panic as I try and clean up the house because I know you're yeah. coming. Because I don't want you to see that I'm <laughs> yeah. a slob, even though we're yeah. all slobs. But I would advise, I guess this kind of ties into the previous question. Tell yeah. homeowners, if you know the appraiser is coming next Tuesday, yeah. I'm not saying paint the house. I'm not saying get a contractor in it. But at the very least, make it look tidy. Again, sure. we don't appraise tidiness, but we're all human. And if you're walking over dog feces to get from, you know, one room to the other room, and I have a dog, and I love my dog. I do have two stories of, you know, I call them my ex-file experiences. Both cases, there were properties that were inherited. So, you know, they got it from an aunt or somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And in both cases, it was literally walking to that. You familiar with the X-Files? Yeah, I am, yeah. That are very disturbing episode where they roll out the mother or somebody from oh yeah, from, yeah. very yeah. disturbing episode yeah i've been to a few properties where you walk in and it's uh quite disturbing how some people live and it's not right. a question of being untidy it's exposed insulation you know just the worst of the worst but again those are two of the more extreme examples i would say just in general just tidy up your home when your appraiser's coming in Okay. Any last thoughts about the market that brokers should know about moving forward? The market has changed. It's undeniable there's been a shift in the marketplace, whether it's rise of interest rates, whether it's the great reopening, where maybe buying real estate isn't first on the list or second on the list. You know, I always suspect that regardless of what happened with rates, that this summer would be slow because it would be the first summer you could actually travel abroad, sort of, yeah. <laughs> travel sort of, you know, and life was more or less back to normal, sort of. So I always suspect this would be the summer of enjoyment and not necessarily let's all bid our neighbor on the house down the street. Sure. Now, yeah. factor in increasing rates and this and the other thing. I think now it's a perfect storm for maybe a summer to take a breath back, but right. we've definitely seen a shift in values across the GTA. Right. Okay. Well, Claudia, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. A lot of great information for our broker partners to digest and hopefully better understand, you know, the process and the benefits of using an appraiser. So Claudia, before we end, I just want to say, you know, a thank you to you and Crosstown for, you know, obviously being big supporters of Home Trust, but also being big supporters of our annual charity golf tournament that we have every September. You know, it's for such a great cause. And I just want to say thank you again for all, all you do in the community and for the industry as well. Brennan, thank you for having me. Our relationship with Home Trust is well known, and my involvement with the golf tournament is for obvious reasons that you also know. So I thank you for having me and uh, enjoy the long weekend. Thanks. Yeah, you as well. All right. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us for another episode of I Love All Mortgages. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe in your podcast app. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.